Welcome to Season 5 of the Shock Your Potential Podcast with your host, best-selling author and international speaker, Michael Sherlock. The Shock Your Potential Podcast is dedicated to entrepreneurs looking to up their game, increase their income, and scale their businesses to new heights. Shock Your Potential is a professional services company providing affordable services to small businesses, matching entrepreneurs with virtual assistants, and offering specialized leadership and sales training to companies around the world. Learn more today at shockyourpotential.com and listen in now to another motivating episode that will help you to shock your potential. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. I am your host, Michael Sherlock, and all month long, we are talking to authors. You know I love it when we have our author series. Now, we're calling this one this year, Authors with a Twist. Why? I don't know. It changes with every guest we have. And the fun of that is to not only understand and learn about these individuals who write these books, whether they're fiction or nonfiction, but also to understand why the books may make a difference in your life. And my, my guest today, is going to make you think. I guarantee it. Now, I want to tell you first, she's from Minnesota in a little town called Walnut Grove. Yep, I know. You might know that from, I don't know, a little other book we all know. Now, her name is Heather Wickman. She holds a PhD in organizational systems, leading transformational change, an MA in in human resources and organizational development, and a BS in human resource development. So, we know that she studied this on the inside out. And what does it mean for us? Well, it means a few different things. Now, first of all, she's worked for a lot of different companies or worked with them. Um, some big names like Optum, First Bank, Envision Healthcare, DaVita Medical Group, just to name a few. And she's led and consulted leaders in many, many executive level positions at over 20 companies. Now, She's the best-selling author and co-founder of a company called Untethered, which is upending the executive coaching model by creating, you know, this is important to me, evidence-based change strategies. She's not just saying she's got the answers. There's actual evidence behind it. And this helps to support individuals and teams to accelerate their growth by breaking through, we've talked about this before, Stubborn roadblocks. <laughs> what? We never have roadblocks when we're trying to master change. And if they do it right, they're going to create results that they most desire. And we're also going to talk about her newest book, The Evolved Executive, The Future of Work is Love in Action. Another one of my favorite subjects. And joining me today is Heather Wickman. Thank you for being with us today. (laughs) That was quite an introduction. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) You wrote the bio. I just get the joy of reading it. I guess you're right. As my listeners know, I'm fascinated by people's bios because I think it tells a story that we want told, but doesn't always get told in the way that, you know, really hits to our hearts. So I, I spend a lot of time reading them, even if I still stumble over the words every now and then, because I think it tells a story about us, which I think kind of ties into what you do is not only dealing with change, but dealing with change and how we as individuals deal with it. So I hit some of the highlights of your bio. Tell us a little bit more in your own words about you, your business, and how what you do helps to shock the potential of individuals and teams. Yeah. So you hit a lot of the high points, but I love that you knew that I was a Minnesota kid and I don't even remember writing that in the bio. So that's fantastic. (laughs) So that actually is part of my story in terms of who I am, because I grew up in a tiny Midwest town in Minnesota on a farm and kind of grew up with those 
those values, that kind of Minnesota nice, um, had a really clear idea of what success looked like. And it meant going to school, getting a job, climbing the corporate ladder, mm-hmm. you know, live in suburbia, have the white picket fence, kids, husband, all these kind of things. And so that's the route that I, I went. I was a kind of that classic type A, high achieving, annoying person. <laughs> and <laughs> so got my undergrad at the University of Minnesota and went on to my master's and kind of was working climbing the ladder at a very young age and um, got done with my master's, moved into healthcare. That's kind of where I really started my career in leading transformational change. And so I was working with physicians as they moved from clinicians to executives, which is a pretty tricky little transition. Yep. Decided, hey, I'm not smart enough yet. Something's not quite right. So I thought, hey, a PhD will fix that. So I, (laughs) and I I lovingly call it permanent head damage. (laughs) So I got the PhD and was climbing the corporate ladder. And, you know, the strangest thing, I just kept on getting more and more, uh, what's the word, kind of miserable. So more anxious, more depressed, more unfulfilled, Mm -hmm. even though in my mind and in my belief system, this is what success looked like. Right. And kind of a last ditch effort, I took a promotion from a dear friend, moved out to California. So everyone thought I was in uh, my dream job, but I was really actually pretty miserable, just Mm -hmm. suffering inside. And so uh, my husband was moving out to California to join me. I called him and I was like, babe, I'm resigning today. (laughs) He's like, I have a new call. What are you doing? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And so that was kind of the start of Untethered. And so he ended up resigning his corporate job. We sold basically everything, um, traveled the world for a year, and then re kind of planted to figure out who the hell are we in this world and how do we want to make a difference? Oh, nice. And so Untethered was born out of this really tumultuous space of identity crisis, of fears of security and safety. And we really exist to guide high achieving executives and entrepreneurs to overcome some of the biggest obstacles and stubborn obstacles that are in the way of what they want to create in their lives because we've had to do it. And so this is kind of a tried and true path, not only of my academic career of what I've learned around how people move through change, but my own experience. Mm -hmm. And so we combine um, several different coaching processes like the immunity to change with peak experiences. So we work with sacred plant medicine. We work with uh, horses to really allow individuals to experience something kind of potently different about their experience of the world Mm -hmm. to allow them to move through change pretty rapidly. Wow. I love it. I, two things that popped into me, number one, I, and I can't remember her name, but I worked with, I interviewed someone kind of in the middle of the pandemic who had a whole business of, uh, she was a therapist, she's a therapist sure. and works with a lot of people with trauma and has them work with horses and That's how you know, we were talking about the challenges of that during COVID, but, but it, it actually was working out pretty well for her, but the difference that that made, but I want to go back when you talk about, okay, we didn't know who we were. So we, I love it. Sold everything. <laughs> Both quit everything and traveled the world for a year I also had a guest, his name is Matt Javitt. He and his wife did the same thing, kind of the height of their sales careers. And they called it a mid, he calls it a mid-career retirement. 
And since then, I've introduced that concept to my brother-in-law and a few other people. And it's really powerful because it really can give you clarity, but there's got to be, it must have been exciting and wonderful, but also terrifying at the same time to oh, do that, yeah. especially when it was breaking so far from the models of what yeah. your success was. Exactly. I love that phrase and see so many of my clients do that because I work with oftentimes clients in transition. So moving from corporate America to the entrepreneurial world, or I just sold my business and now what am I going to do kind of thing. And that mid-career retirement is absolutely true because it gives us some time to pause and reevaluate and understand who are we today because it may not be who we were yesterday. Exactly. Well, and the guy, the, uh, the guy, the gentleman I just interviewed right before you too, a couple hours ago, he was in the same thing. He actually left a great career in law and became an author. And he said, I had to get it out of my head of what I was retiring from and think instead of what I was retiring to. Yeah. And, but what, whatever, whether it's retirement or transition or moving into a, a, a C-suite position when you've been a surgeon, that change, that loss of identity, even if you want to get rid of that old identity, causes a lot of stubborn emotional road, roadblocks, doesn't it? Absolutely. It, you know, pulls on some of our biggest fears, our biggest hooks around identity, our biggest fears around safety. Yeah. So it's, but it's also one of the most uh, pivotal times for change, yeah. the, the inner work that's required to actually move through those transitions, man, is probably the most humbling uh, point in someone's life. And I'm just so grateful to be able to walk with people through that phase because it's just, it is really a rebirth that feels really beautiful to be witness to. When somebody comes to you and they're like, okay, you know what, Heather, I've, I've heard you, I've listened to you. Uh, checked out your website. I, you know, took a look at, you know, the different things that you do and who you're looking for as an ideal client. And you, you know, you find that, okay, maybe this is a match. I'm a match for them. We're a match for them. They're a match for us. What are some of the first phases they go through? Because even if you say, okay, I'm ready, I'm ready to transition. I'm ready to do it. I'm ready, ready to do all these things. What, what kind of things do they experience in the beginning when that reality of the transition or their desire to have the transition really becomes a reality instead of just, yeah, oh, yeah I'm here, but oh, oh, wow, I'm here. Yeah. You know, your tone was perfect. So the first phase is excitement. They're like, you know, someone to help me through this, someone to be with me through this, someone who's, who's done it already. So Great. And then it, um, once we move into the first phase of really kind of understanding what it is we're moving up against. So what is this biggest challenge, this fear, this, whatever it is, then reality begins to set in and people begin to, um, I call it like immune responses. Oh yeah. You know, so we either reject like, okay, this is too scary. I'm not going to do this. I'm wrong. I don't want to do this. Change (laughs) Change my mind. Or it becomes like this really introspective space of, I really need to figure out what this is and why it's still a part of me. Mm -hmm. And so there's this uh, beautiful introspective. um, We try to slow everything down at that point to allow that emotion to just be as it is and not to rush through it. Because when we, I think you know, high achievers are so used to kind of pushing all those emotions away mm-hmm. and we really get befriend them and comfort them and understand why they're there and what they're really afraid of. Right. 
And then we usually have a peak experience. So whether it is the horses or the plants that um, unlike any other methodology I've used provides um, rapid and potent insight that allows that individual to usually see kind of pinpoint, mm -hmm. this is the fear, this is why the fear exists, and this is what it looks like on the other side. Mm -hmm. And so that aha is usually kind of mind blowing for an individual. And then we get to um, move through to excitement on the other end, mm -hmm. when we begin to experiment of putting those new behaviors and patterns into our everyday life. It's, it's such a journey that everybody has to take that's going to be really unique. And I, I think about, especially, you know, so I'm a serial entrepreneur, but I kept getting lured back into corporate America for a long time. I'm never going back now. <laughs> you could not pay me enough to yeah. go back now. But the last time they could pay me enough to go back in. So I did. But um, when I look back on my entrepreneurial journeys, for instance, I see that there were parts that I did really, really well and parts that I didn't do very well. And now that this is exactly what I'm doing, it was the first time ever in my whole life that I looked at the, my journey from both the entrepreneurial side and the corporate side and said, why am I not as immediately successful as an entrepreneur as I was as yeah. in my corporate career, because I expected to, you know, walk from one to the other when I finally did it again and say, ah, you know, I've got a couple of books now and I'm going to go out and speak. And, and it wasn't just because I didn't have all the habits yet, but there was a mind shift change of wait, who, who am I now mm -hmm. that I'm something different that I've chosen that I want? Um, and how do I equate that with not immediate success or the same level from day to day. Do you see that happening with other people too? Oh my goodness. I would say almost oh, probably 90% of every transition from corporate to entrepreneur and a hundred percent in my own life. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you're in corporate America, oh, that's so weird. Oh my God. It's, it's, <laughs> that was one of the most brutal awakenings to, you know, you're working for someone else, someone else's mission. They're telling you what you're doing. Even if you're part of co-creating it, it's, it's someone else. Yeah. And so your identity becomes attached to someone else's thing. And for me, at least, and a lot of the clients that I work with, when you jump out on your own, you, you are it oh, <laughs> like, yeah. darling and all the beauty and all the scars and all the beautiful brokenness. And you get to really understand where you're coming from, who you are as an individual, what impact you want to make in the world and kind of the presence you want to have. Yeah. And it's entirely different than corporate America in my world. There's, yeah. there's some crossover obviously, um, but it has uh, an amplitude that's much different. I love that beautiful brokenness. What a oh. great, what a great description. It's very vivid, but it, it gives it so much new warmth. Yeah. Be broken and beautiful at the same time. <laughs> Always. <laughs> until I die. <laughs> exactly. Well, Heather, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsor for the month, and we will be right back to talk more about your newest book. Do you want to be a go-to expert that news reporters, anchors, and media producers turn to? Are you a media professional looking for credible, reliable, and timely guests? If you answered yes to either of those questions, then shock your media potential is for you. 
This one-of-a-kind platform connects vetted experts with news professionals around the globe. As a part of our launch celebration, you can participate for free in our Shock Your Media Potential virtual conference running March 28th through April 1st. Together with my co-host, Eddie Luisi, known as stage manager to the stars and also stage manager for Good Morning America, we have interviewed 25 media personalities and professionals to ask them the questions you need to know the answers to. Like, how can I make myself more newsworthy? How do I best pitch a story? How do I get invited back again and again? And much more. Some of our guests are household names with exceptional on-camera careers. Others are award-winning directors, producers, camera operators, audio engineers, celebrity hair and makeup professionals, and so much more. To learn more about our platform and our conference today, go to shockyourmediapotential.com. And we are back with Heather Wickman. And um, I love I love what you do. I love also the um, honesty of your story, especially with that moment where you're like, everybody in the world thinks I had the dream job, moved to California. This is the evolution in my journey. Continue to move up, up, up from Walnut Grove to <laughs> California. I should be happy because there's more sunshine and less cold. Yeah. So you're like, where the heck's the smog coming from? But how has this evolved to you? I mean, obviously in your business, I've heard, but, and I'm going to use the evolution term here uh, quite specifically, but how has this helped you to evolve to this newest book, The Evolved Executive? And why did you feel it was so important to talk about love as a part of this for us to recognize? Yeah. So I attempted to do this book as my dissertation in my PhD program and was told you can't talk about love at work. Oh, you, you just, it's not something that you're ever going to get traction on. It's going to be too taboo. So just don't do it. So I didn't. Mm -hmm. And that's part of my evolution in terms of, I was in corporate America at the time. I was used to kind of asking for permission. Right. And I was like, you know, a big F you when I got done, <laughs> I got out of corporate America and I was like, I'm writing this book. You know, I know it's part of me and I know it's part of how we can evolve as organizations because we spend so much time at work. Why does it have to be full of the toxicity we see in so much of corporate America? And so that was the, that was the driving angst around why this book came to be. And there's just something that I know in my body, in, in me, that's not in everyone that I, I know that the world of work can be a beautiful place to be. It can be a place of um, identity creation. It can be a place of belonging, connection, all of these things, but we have to get out of kind of this old fear-based mentality and paradigm that mm -hmm. says, here's the boss. You have to listen to exactly what the boss says. It's command and control. And so the, the book is really about um, how do we upend that paradigm from a place of fear to a place of how do we lead with love? Mm -hmm. And obviously I don't mean the kumbaya, we're all holding hands around the office table, but love can be really challenging when you're having to give someone really tough feedback, but you care about them deeply, that is leading with love. And so 
throughout the book, I kind of have all of these different distinctions around what it looks like to lead with love and action versus fear. Mm -hmm. And then what I really found in some of the research around this is when you lead from a place of love, what you actually create is an environment for people to flourish. Yes, absolutely. For people to grow. And so that was kind of the unique piece of love and action. It's not just the act of being kind and caring and creating belonging. It's actually creating a really vibrant place for people to grow. Yeah. And so the last half of the book is all around these kind of growth hacks. How do we accelerate growth for the leader individually, as well as the leader in that team? Yeah, I love it. I, I actually dedicated one of our, uh, it was uh, February of 2021 for our podcast. And our series was called Lead with Love. And I, that's what I wanted everybody to talk about is, you know, what's your own example of either experiencing this or doing this and how did it impact you as a leader? And it was great because I had a variety of men and women and young and old and different ethnic groups, you know, talking about this common theme of love in the workplace. And it was, I think it was perfectly timed then in some sense, because the world was a little bit more accepting of it because, you know, we're now halfway through the pandemic at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but what came out of it were really powerful stories about growth. Yeah. You know, so not just, oh, I'm being, you know, kumbaya, like you said, and, and hugging everybody, but I'm really yeah. actually trying to understand when someone on my team is struggling in their work, maybe not always in their life, but struggling in their work. And instead of just yeah. assuming, hey, they can't do it, I'm going to move on. Maybe I'm going to ask some better questions. Yeah. You know, create a different environment. Exactly. The other thing that I feel like might be helpful to point out is this thing of Mm self-love, you know, some of the most high achieving execs and entrepreneurs that I come across are the ones that are looking for that self-love and need that self-love more than anyone else. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not what I expected. You know, I think we have this idea of these really successful folks who've got everything right. And then when they start looking inward, you know, they're in this mode of achieving more, getting more status, more, instead of really kind of diving into how do I love myself more here? Right. And I know that's often sounds a little tough for people to swallow, but that is part of the book and part of the work that we do here at Untethered in terms of how do we create the conditions for you to love yourself a little bit more? Yeah. Well, and I think I'll, I'll give you an example from today. Uh, we had a little hiccup within my organization. So my entire team is in Kenya. So they're all halfway across the world, literally. And so there's a lot of opportunity for miscommunication or misunderstandings or, you know, ball being dropped here and there. And we had something that was pretty substantial that involved one of my executive team. And I, I sent her a you know, voice message and I was like, I'm so incredibly stressed out about this. I'm really frustrated. I'm trying not to let it come through. I know it is. And what we've learned, especially she and I, is sometimes I have to voice it out loud and then she listens to it. And then she sits a minute and then she sends me back a response. And she's like, I know what I didn't mean to let you down, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, wait, I didn't mean that you let me down. Wait, yeah. don't take it that way. What I said yeah. I'm that our process broke. How did we miss this? So then, you know, it took us back and forth between text and voice messages, probably about eight messages before we're both laughing. And I'm like, okay, so we screwed this one up. How do we fix it? So it doesn't happen on Thursday when this is supposed to happen again. And it was such, you know, I got done with it. We're both giggling and laughing. And I thought the Michael Sherlock of 
10 years ago was a really great high functioning leader and led 500 people and $100 million in revenue, thought she took great care of her team, thought it was a great motivator in a lot of ways. When I got frustrated, I know it didn't come out the right way. Mm-hmm. But I also wasn't taking good care of me because I was always so worried about making sure I kept up with the people that I reported to. Right. And so, and that, but that Michael of 10 years ago was a whole lot better than the Michael of 20 years ago, <laughs> significantly better than the one of 25 years ago. Right. And so now it was funny that today I was like, oh God, <laughs> well, I slipped a little bit, but I caught it and recognized it. And I hope that makes a difference. I know it makes a difference for me. I believe it makes a difference for her, but yeah. it takes a lot as a leader to recognize mm. when, you've, when you've done damage even if you didn't intend to, and then try yeah. to do something, maybe not to always fix it. Cause sometimes, like you said, sometimes you have to deliver bad news, yeah. but how you do it definitely tells a story. Yeah, exactly. And the story we often don't hear is, you know, the inner critic story. Yeah. So, you know, it sounds like you let you process more externally Yeah. and for that individual that just beats themselves up over and over and over and over inside. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a really, it's a real thing for folks. Yeah. Well, I used to be that person who always beat myself up inside. Now I only do that part of the time. Well, I do it still quite a bit, but when I get frustrated with other people, I can be, my fuse isn't as hot as it used to be, but I'll have an immediate reaction and almost physically I can't. Yeah. (laughs) Because I'm like, I have enough in here already. I can't let this go. (laughs) Need a valve release for sure. Well, and and with my executive team, we always practice like, you know, the deep breathing together. Oh, a lot of times we'll stop and I'll, you know, you'll even in a meeting, because I've got three of them and we'll be doing a zoom meeting and I'll see everybody kind of getting anxious about something. And I'll go, okay, let's all stop. Close your eyes. <laughs> we're going to do three Take a deep, deep breaths. <laughs> and it does. It just like brings us all back. And we're like, okay, how yeah. is that problem that we were all just stressing out about? Exactly. But that's, I think that's my hope is that that's where the majority of the world of, of work and leadership is going is that we're at least more, we all want that more than right. the, than the, the work situations where you feel threatened or under pressure. Sure. Nobody wants that anymore. Nobody wanted it then, but yeah. nobody wanted to say that you didn't want it. Yeah, no, I think you demonstrated one thing that I mentioned in the book is presence, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're so busy, like we've got so much on our plates and so much we're trying to get to do, but what you did in that moment, you're like, okay, assessing everyone's amping up and this is not going to end well if we just continue to right. and taking that moment just to take the temperature and be like, all right, everyone, let's just breathe. Yeah. And it's a, it's a natural thing for us humans to be able to kind of unwind when we take those deep breaths. So I think, you know, what you're demonstrating is very much of what I found in this idea of the evolved executive. Yeah. Thank you. That's also why I have yoga dog who always, yeah. <laughs> you know, cause sometimes I'll be going, Oh, there's yoga dog. He's going to yes. take a few deep breaths <laughs> Take a few, and the candle. Same thing. Let's take a deep breath. I do. I have a, I don't know what they're called, but I have these funny little, uh, Oh yeah. Palo Santo. Yeah. 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 That's what it is. I never know Mm -hmm. what it is, but I love just cleansing my air. I don't know what I'm doing. Exactly. It makes me feel good. It's perfect. My husband's working from home. He's like, is something on fire? (laughs) Should I be alarmed? 
Exactly. <laughs> no, just my brain and creativity. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Well, Heather, we're going to have all of your contact information on our show notes, but just in case somebody's like, I need to find this woman right now, what's the best way for them to find out more about you and what you guys do? Yeah. So the easiest way is to find us online at beuntethered.co and you're going to find our bios and our contact information and everything right there. I love it. Now you've already given us a lot of wisdom today, but do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? Oh my goodness. You know, I would, I would echo what we talked about a little bit earlier, find ways to love yourself a little bit more today. I love it. And we can all benefit from that. Heather, thank you so much for being with us today. I really enjoyed having you as a guest. Uh, Thank you as well. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees and sales mixology. Why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.